What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. broadcast of Tap Into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing with all of the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I'm your ever so humble host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee, down here in the heart of volunteer country where the men once again reclaimed a little of their pride by taking Kentucky to the woodshed Saturday. Woohoo! 
getting a little bit of a revenge for their loss in Kentucky, uh, which ended up at that point in time being just their second of the uh, season. So uh, way to go, Vols. Good job. Proud of you guys. And here in a little bit, we'll be joined by the Canadian Patriot, the Infidel, your email warns you about, the host of both Red Fox Blogger Radio and the great radio show Infidels Are Watching, part of the Global Patriot Network, Miss Kel Fritzy. Uh, when she joins us, we'll be talking a little bit about the latest little bit of hot water that uh, – the shiny pony, a.k.a. Justin Trudeau, may have found himself in. And then we'll just kind of have a free-for-all, letting uh, Kel take us anywhere she'd like to go in her Canadian update. It's been a while since she's joined us, and we we really probably should try to make that a more regular phenomenon. Uh, in fact, I told her that she'd come on in the first hour. We did not specify an exact time. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of keep an eye out for Kel, <laughs> and uh, when we do see her, uh, we'll go ahead and bring her on, and in the meanwhile, I'll go ahead and start talking a little bit about a few topics. Obviously, CPAC has been going on, uh, a lot of to-do being made about some of the speeches here and there, and I always love to watch media coverage regarding C, uh, CPAC. Uh, great coverage. Uh, a lot of the host right here at the home platform of BTR. Folks like Don Smith, for example, actually went. Uh, some other folks that we've had on before, regular contributors to this show, regular guests here and over at Annie's and, and uh, over at Kells and several other places. Uh, some of these folks are there in person doing their thing, and I, I look forward to reaching out to some of these folks to get their uh, their personal uh, takes from what they saw and how they felt about it. But one of the things that's been highly touted today by more conservative outlets was actually President Donald J. Trump's speech. Evidently, he went for an epic two-plus hours with no notes, no cards, and uh, didn't seem to repeat himself that much. So congratulations, uh, once again proving that uh, a man who likes to talk can say a lot of things. <laughs> but he did make a lot of points, uh, and I, I say that in that fashion because I – immediately start to thinking when I talk about somebody who likes to talk, I think of myself, but then all of a sudden I'm like, ah, probably should back off some. <laughs> but at any rate, um, that's where we're at today. And it was it was a great speech, by the way. At least I liked it. I see Kel has joined us in the chat room. Kel, I know we didn't set a specific time, so uh if you would like to come on in, we'll uh we'll go ahead and get you started. Uh, I'll keep an eye on the uh, chat board uh, the switchboard, not the chat board. I'm already watching the chat room. Uh, we'll get you on and we'll get started here as soon as you would like. Uh, and in the meanwhile, uh, a lot of interesting things are going to come from CPAC, but I think we'll have a better feel for the overall take uh, a little bit closer to the middle of this week. Because these initial reactions, these knee-jerk reactions uh, are always super partisan, and there hasn't been much time to let things settle. There hasn't been much time to really digest. You've got those initial reactions, and I know there have been several occasions, especially with CPAC speeches in the past, uh, where I've had my initial reaction, and then after I go back and look at it again and let it marinate a bit, I've come away with something that I felt like maybe I missed the first time, that maybe changes the whole overtone, or at least a vital point that I thought had been overlooked that actually was hit upon. So we'll talk a little bit more about CPAP if I feel it's even 
necessary, a little bit closer to the middle of this week. I don't see going in depth right now because, again, it's from what I've seen to this point, it's pretty much, uh, pretty much standard fare for CPAC. I, I don't mean to diminish it because I think CPAC's a great event, and I, I thoroughly enjoy the speeches. All right, Kel's telling me that she's been here for 20 minutes and wants to know where I was. Uh, well, Kel, actually, I had set up the show yesterday, and then I was doing last-minute research and uh, was a little late looking to sign on. But once I got over uh, to do the sign-in, I noticed, oh, crap, BTR didn't save my show. Now, they've already started doing this little thing here lately again where I've had people asking where I was going when I had set it up the day before, uh, and it wasn't showing up. But it was saved. It was there. It just wasn't showing up uh, for other people to see. Now, that's a little irritating. So I was in a very rushed last few seconds <laughs> trying to get back on air on time. I think I was still like maybe a, a minute to two minutes late doing it, but uh, uh, you know, just another BTR thing. I, I was bragging about not having tech issues with them uh, a few broadcasts back, and you would think I would know better by now because every time I'd say that, I'd say, hey, they've been a lot better lately. They've been good. Uh, as soon as I say that, something happens that's not on my end. I have plenty of things that happen that are on my end. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not blaming BTR for everything that's ever happened. But there are some things that fall firmly in BTR's lap. Uh, so at any rate, whatever you would like, ma'am, uh, and I see you are now, in fact, uh, in the switchboard. So, Kel, welcome back to the show. Once again, thank you very much for your generosity of time, knowing all the other things you have to do, including co-hosting for Eric at Radio Free Kapiristan. Uh, right after this show. I appreciate it. How the heck are you? I'm doing absolutely fiddly fine today. Tim, I feel like I'm coming home again. <laughs> well, it has been a while, like I said just a little bit earlier since we've had our uh, our Canadian update. And now a little more than usual, there's some legitimate Hardcore news where the shiny pony may actually be in a spot of real trouble with this. Uh, these reports that supposedly there was undue influence being put on the judicial side to try and prevent uh, prosecutions of certain, well, we'll say friends of the administration. Absolutely. And you're talking about SNC Lavalon, uh, a Quebec based a construction company, and that they had been engaging in rather nefarious uh, practices, uh, bribes in particular. Let's get right to it. And, well, the uh, PMO, the Prime Minister's Office, tried to persuade then-Attorney General of Canada, Judy uh, Wilson-Raybould, to go easy on SNL because they were facing the courts. Just to give you a brief timeline, is that it was discovered in 2001 that SNL, sorry, SNL, where am I? <laughs> SNL had been engaging, no, I'm getting this wrong. Why am I doing this? SNA Lavalon. I'm just going to stick with Lavalon, Tim. I'm not even at a okay. degree yet. 
look at me. Sorry about that to your listeners. But, yeah, it, it would appear that at Lavalon, they had been engaging in rather, um, well, activities beneath the table. And this had been going on from 2001 to 2011. And in 2014, they were charged by the uh, Attorney General for corporate malfeasance, to say the least. And in 2018, uh, Justin Trudeau and uh, his minions approached Attorney General uh, Raybal and asked her if she could not uh, kind of like go easy on them. And apparently she was not playing along. Well, it, it's not apparent. It's a fact. She she was not playing along at all, and she said, are you trying to interfere with the office of the Attorney General? I suggest that you don't do that. And Justin Trudeau was, of course, well, no, 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 I'm not doing that. It's just that it's an election year, and I'm an MP in the province of Quebec and all these jobs, and I just want a resolution as quickly as possible. And she was, I'm sorry, but... Uh, I, you cannot interfere with the uh, judicial uh, practices of the Attorney General's office. <clears throat> right, well, uh, let, let me interrupt been... you. Let, let me mm-hmm. interrupt you just a second there, Cal. Let, let me rephrase the question here. Uh, <laughs> well, as my question, let me uh, try to rephrase if this is correct. Justin Trudeau basically said, no, we're not trying to do that, but yes, I really am. <laughs> is that basically what that's he said? That's right. Oh, that's absolutely <laughs> correct. And we have to remember the moral fabric of Justin Trudeau. He he has none. He has no sense of ethics, nothing whatsoever. He and his uh, minions are more concerned about uh, the election coming up in October and saving something like 5,000 jobs in the province of Quebec uh, as opposed to understanding that this company, SNC-Lavalon, had been in a violation of ethics, and it was the responsibility of the Attorney General to assure that they face the appropriate charges for this. So she had been harassed for like four months, uh, from September of 2018 right up until uh, December. Uh, She had 11 calls, 11 visits, uh, personal conversations with the Prime Minister, and she she um, became fed up with it. What uh, she did in the end is that she resigned. Well, she didn't even resign. Uh, she was removed from her position as Attorney General and reassigned to Minister of Veterans Affairs. So she was essentially demoted uh, from her position of Attorney General. And so in February or January, near the end of January, I believe it was, she resigned her cabinet post, and uh, she went to the Ethics Commission and said, look, um, this is unacceptable what they're doing, and I, I want to talk about it. And so now it is sitting in front of the Ethics Commission right now. We're in the midst of that. But it goes, it, the, the rot is really, really deep. And the, uh, <laughs> when you're offering $50 million in bribes to Libya, uh, and well, that's not a good thing. That's not very ethical, Lavalon. 
But the thing is, too, is that they were um, offering these bribes to Libya uh, for construction contracts, but they were offering the bribes with government money because they were eligible to apply for grants from the Canadian government. So it was the taxpayers' time that was paying for these bribes as well. And that that uh, hurt deep with the Canadian... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Indian taxpayers. Now, when um, it was uh, quite clear that this was going to go, go towards the commission, uh, Justin Trudeau, he changed uh, the criminal code. Um, he, he changed the criminal code under... Bill C seventy four. Now, Bill C seventy four. That is a budget bill. But in two thousand and eighteen, he changed the criminal code, and some offenses that would otherwise be treated as indictable would be treated summarily. Something else that he did. He was trying to coerce the then Attorney General uh, Raybal uh, to offer a deferred a prosecution agreement in which they would avoid indictable offenses. And all they would have to do is apologize, pay the money back, and promise never to do it again. And that is something else that she opposed. So um, she was very, very effective at the uh, her um, her hearing, the hearing, in her testimony. Very effective. So this is quite explosive. This is a real uh, big deal. She actually went to the Privy Council clerk, um, his name's Michael uh, Wernick, and um, asked for his advice what to do, and, and he and he told her. And thus, um, this is under investigation uh, right now. And a lot of people in Canada are outraged, not, outraged not only because of SNC-Lavalin's um, involvement being so heavily embedded with the Liberal Party of Canada, but they were also um, making uh, quite um, heavy donations to the Liberal Party in exchange for being uh, uh, granted contracts and being granted uh, loans and uh, uh, fund uh, uh, grants and things like that. Now, <clears throat> as it stands right now, it looks like uh, Gerald Butts, who is the former chief secretary of Justin Trudeau, he retired um, uh, last month, he now wants to speak at the Privy, I'm sorry, at the Ethics Commission and share his side of the story. We also have a new Attorney General, and this guy is a snake oil salesman. His name is David Lam Lametti, appointed by Justin Trudeau, of course. And he is so deep into the liberal pockets that when asked, do you think, when he's asked, uh, television news. He was on uh, CTV news, and the uh, reporter asked him outright, when it is found that the government is interfering with the business of the Attorney General, do you think that is cause for being charged with offenses, yes or no? And this uh, David Lametti, our current Attorney General, was uh, waffling and well I don't know 
I, I wasn't in the room. I'm not privy to what went on in the room. I, I have no idea. As the Attorney General, this is supposed to be his responsibility to be uh, kept up to date. So he is, I, I have a funny feeling that he's working on something to make a deal because he is now the Attorney General of Canada, and he can also uh, apply the uh, modified uh, uh, criminal code and perhaps uh, treat this as a summary offense. And that's going to enrage Canadians even more because we want heads to roll. Because we've been right. watching, yeah, we've been watching the liberal rot him for you know three years now. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things again, it's really important for the listeners here in the United States to understand is that while there are a lot of similarities in the basic principles that we share with our ideas of how to establish government and then our judicial system as well, there are also still a lot of differences, and some of which. You guys don't have the same protections uh, in place against this kind of corruption that we do, and while we, of course, have those protections, that doesn't mean they don't still get violated. Uh, we have that problem too, but it, it's really hard for some folks to understand that uh, – the shiny pony, as you've often called him in the past, and I love that nickname so much I've kept it even when you've uh, moved on to something else. Um, he has the ability to kind of alter these things, uh, like you mentioned, in a in a fashion that really would have never even been connected uh, under the way we consider how legislation works here. So it's important to remember, yes, he does have that power. Yes, he can, and it is just another uh, case of what the left would love to be able to do here and elsewhere around the world, uh, particularly in Western civilizations where we are supposedly embracing the idea of individual liberty. Uh, and yet uh, in several of these nations, we've seen folks trade away several of these liberties without much of a fight. But let me ask two questions uh, based on where we're at right now. Number one, seeing the former uh, – the, the, and now I'm getting tongue-tied. Whatever you were doing earlier, Kel, it's contagious. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, the the former uh, attorney general, uh, when she was doing it, first of all, how proud is it? How proud does it make you guys feel that somebody was willing to stand on these principles in opposition and still try to, you know, they they wouldn't be bullied out of it. They got moved out of the position, but they still wanted to serve the people so that they continued to work in a role to try and help until eventually she just couldn't stand it anymore because she kept seeing the corruption worsen and nothing getting better. And so she does this to, to bring this knowledge forward to the general public. And then on a secondary question, because there's a lot to unpack there, so I'll just sit back and let you have it. Do you suspect there will be any real repercussions for Trudeau? Uh, immediate circle as a result of this? Well, to answer your first question in, in regards of pride, yeah, um, we are grateful uh, to uh, Raybould for coming forward and exposing this corruption. Of course, we're uh, grateful that she was brave enough to uh, do that. She could have just resigned from her post and went away into that good night, and this would have uh, continued with, the, with Justin Trudeau's knowledge. But instead, she did come forward and uh, expose the rot. However, we have to remember that she was also a, a liberal, a member of parliament uh, representing the Liberal Party of Canada. And she supported a lot of bills that Canadians uh, totally disagreed with. In fact, that we felt as Canadians, 
some of these bills, they should have been put forward uh, to a referendum. So we felt that we were betrayed by the entire Liberal Party in which she was a part. So uh, I personally, I, I'm grateful that she came forward. However, it's more or less that I feel that she's, you know, uh, she's, uh, you know, doing something right for for once. I don't mean to sound right. callous about it, but I'm very, very jaundiced uh, when it comes to the Liberal Party because uh, I see um, everything that they're doing to I try to tra- change the fabric of Canada with all of these uh, bills and all of these motions and the mass migration and um, these um, the motion 103, the anti-Islamophobia motion, for example, and the uh, social and racial uh, divisions that the Liberal Party has managed to create in only three uh, some odd years. It's a, it's a, it's amazing. Uh, there's a joke yeah. out well, there. And, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, well, I was I was just going to. Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off though, but I was going to ask. But isn't this what we kind of want from folks that are on the opposition side? I mean, I would kill to have a few people in the uh, Democratic Party here in the United States be willing to stand on a principle where they're they're pushing all this policy that's bad because they genuinely believe that it's not bad. They don't see where it's bad. But when they see something that is truly corrupt, regardless of who's doing it, they stand up and they say, no, not on my watch. Uh, and in fact, being in the former, uh, being an attorney general essentially means you're supposed to put your politics aside, and maybe you you it's okay to have the opinions and to make the statements, yes, I support this, yes, I'll do this. But when you see that your job is being compromised, the role that you have, the oath you took for your office, you're being nudged into looking the other way or downright violating the law itself when you're the top cop, essentially. Isn't that what we want? To, I mean, yeah, I get you're you're not going to go give her a big hug, but she does deserve uh, a pat on the back, right? Oh, absolutely. I'm absolutely uh, not denying that. I, I like I say, I'm grateful to her for coming forward and exposing this, and I, I wish her um, a long and happy life and uh, a, a peaceful life for doing this because her conscience is clear now. She came forward as the attorney general and did uh, her job, and she did it quite effectively. Uh, as for your uh, second question regarding will this uh, touch uh, uh, Trudeau, will there be serious repercussions for him? Well, that's up for anybody's guess. Uh, the two um, official opposition parties, the Conservative Party of Canada and the New Democratic Party of Canada, they have officiated a letter demanding that Justin Trudeau either resign or call an early election. Uh, Canadians want to see him um, put before the Ethics Commission because we do believe that he, he has, well, he has, he's broken laws. And he is now facing his fifth ethics probe. Justin Trudeau, this is his fifth ethics probe. This is the first prime minister in history to even have one ethics probe. Now he's on his fifth. So we Canadians are waking up. The bloom is really off the rose for this guy. Like even the millennials that voted for him because of the promise of free pot, even uh, the young people in in Toronto that you, which is a liberal stronghold, when they were interviewed, they kind of like, uh, yeah, I don't know what he's doing. Like, uh, uh. so e- even the people that supported uh, the Liberal Party are giving their head a shake, and his uh, uh, polling. 
is uh, down the tubes right now. He's polling at a 54% or is it 56%, somewhere around in there, uh, 54 or 56% of Canadians have lost faith in the uh, Liberal government. And he has lost 30% of his Liberal um, uh, support base. So, yeah, he, he's in a lot of trouble. One thing that we're quite confident is that he will not be reelected in October. But we, I, what I, ideally what I would like to see happen is for him to um, resign his post as Prime Minister and that we have an interim a Prime Minister in place for uh, uh, leading into the October elections, but he won't do, he won't he he won't step down, and he certainly won't call an early election. Something I don't want. I don't want an early election right now. I think most people take uh, not too kindly being called to the polls in the dead of winter, in particular. But ideally, he 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 really should. If the man, I don't even know if I can call him that. If Lizard Boy really does have any sense of conscience, he would step down at least until this um, <clears throat> this this um, investigation is uh, complete. And he should have to face um, some consequences for these actions because, for goodness sake, you won't believe some of the things that um, uh, I, uh, they were spending money on in terms of bribes. Um, um, Muammar Gaddafi's son uh, visited Canada not too long ago. He wanted to improve his English skills and he wanted to learn uh, Canadian business models. And okay, so he was uh, wined and dined by SNC Lavalon. They put him up in his hotel rooms, paid for his meals, and of course also uh, doled out $30,000 in hooker fees so that uh, Muammar Gaddafi's little son wouldn't be lonely. Well, we couldn't have that, could we? Sheesh. Yeah, it it is outstanding. Tell you what, Kel, let me go ahead now since we're getting close to that halfway point in the first hour. uh, Let me hit the Edwards Notebook and the Songs and Stories for Soldiers. And then on the uh, flip side, uh, we'll let you pick a topic and we'll run with it. How's that sound to you? It sounds great to me, Tim. All right. Again, thank you for being with us again today. And uh, everybody else, please hang on just for a few brief moments. We will be back shortly with uh, my friend and prolific blogger and radio host. She's got two shows, folks. Kel Fritzy. We'll be right back in just a moment. If a group of people are in a boat and one of them pulls out a gun and tries to shoot a hole in the bottom, the others would try to stop her to avoid a catastrophe. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards on today's page from the Edwards Notebook. If you look at the United States of America, like the lady trying to shoot a hole in the bottom of the boat and bring harm to the passengers, most Democrats, educators, crooked ministers, rhino Republicans, and nasty illegal border crossers are together working to literally sink the United States into a sea of oblivion. Democrats are already circling their dirty wagons and hope to shoot down President Trump's efforts to wrestle our republic away from the grip of slimy swamp dwellers who hope to sink our exceptional constitutional republic in a sea of victimhood obsession. No border protection, race or identity politics, socialism, unrestricted abortions, and all other evils. 
Our great America is under attack from numerous enemies from within, who, like Khrushchev said many years ago, are trying to bury her. Thus, the time is now for we the people to join forces and prevent... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our constitutional republic from being completely turned into a socialist regime. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me Fridays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on AmericaMatters.us, SHR Media, and Spreaker. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Dan Perkins here with your songs and stories for Soldiers.us, Veterans Tip of the Day. How do you know if you're getting the best medication when you're sick? Did you know that the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, reported recently that between 20% and 50% of all antibiotics prescribed in acute care hospitals are either unnecessary or inappropriate? The misuse of antibiotics has also contributed to the growing problem of antibiotic resistance, which has become one of the most serious and growing threats to public health in the United States. Here is your Songs and Stories for Soldiers tip of the day. Medicare and Medicaid have started a new policy called the Antibiotic Stewardship Program. The result is that hospitals, nursing homes, and other healthcare facilities must test you to make sure you're getting the right medication. The cost of the test is covered by Medicare. So go to songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us for more information about this important service. This has been your Veterans Tip of the Day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for staying with me through that very brief break. And it is my pleasure and honor to once again welcome back to the show Miss Kel Fritzy. Kel, again, thank you for being here with us today. I always appreciate your time. You've always been very generous, and I know you are so busy because you don't just do your two different shows. But you also do a lot of work helping out other folks at the Global Patriot Radio Network and then other random people, including myself. You have on occasions either done direct help or have at the very least been there to try and offer advice and offered to do more, which I've always appreciated. Uh, you're a great friend to have in this business. There's no question. So before we delve into another topic, just to make sure we don't accidentally forget or that we're rushed at the end, please tell everybody where they can find your work. Absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Monday and Thursday afternoons at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, RFB Network, uh, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, IAW Radio, courtesy of Global Patriot Radio, also heard on the Block Talk Radio Network, and wherever I'm needed, Tim. <laughs> 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 well, uh, there's there's an old adage uh, that I think says a great deal uh, directly about you and your character. Uh, 
And the saying is you can tell someone's vices by their friends, and you can tell somebody's principles and character by their enemies. And with those two things kept in mind, when I look around at the folks that associate themselves with you and happily do so, that tells me that I'm in pretty good company. I feel uh, grateful to be there. But when I see the folks that align against you, even folks like Howard Stern who try to uh, crank call your show and then carefully edit and manipulate what you said to try and make you sound like a complete and total nut job, and if you normally listen to Howard Stern, I'm pretty sure you're probably buying in. Wow, what a crazy person. But if you've listened to your show, you know that there was a lot of editing there just from listening you, you, because of your cadence and how you speak and the things that you do and don't say. Uh, so when you look <laughs> at the folks that are after you and then you look at the folks that uh, are with you, uh, I think that's a pretty big winner on both counts. So um, at any rate, with all that aside, uh, you, you do do a lot of this stuff. So as part of that, you keep your finger on the pulse of a lot of different stories. Your primary focus is on counter-jihad, but you've been known Mm -hmm. to delve in other things too. So I'm kind of curious, what topic do you want to delve into today? Well, I do have one topic, but before I uh, introduce it, I just want to wrap up um, SNC uh, Lavalon when I was referring to them as SNL. Um, In Mm -hmm. a way, I'm Maybe that was a Freudian slip because it is indeed a Saturday Night Live scenario going on with all of this, Tim. So I'm going to stand with SNL after all. Well, you know, I was I was actually thinking something along those lines when you said that, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it it would be laughable, and it seems so ridiculous, like it oh, would no. be a Saturday Night Live skit if it wasn't for the fact that it's true. And, yes. and you know the the funny part is, if this was Donald Trump, Saturday Night Live would have already done it. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Oh my goodness, you you're right about that. You're right about that for sure. Uh, we really need a Donald Trump up here desperately. Uh, Canadians are are hoping and praying that uh, we are finally rid of uh, Justin Trudeau. Uh, come by, you know, come by the uh, next election in October. But hey, Tim, I got a question for you. Um, mm-hmm. How would you feel if uh, your uh, federal authorities uh, couldn't keep track of um, a 12 returning Islamic State fighters, no no matter how hard they were preparing for their return, but they're not too sure if they're ready for them yet, and they're not too sure when they're returning, but they're do- they're working really hard <laughs> because that's what we're having happen up here in Canada. <laughs> Well, to answer your question, I would feel like Barack Obama was president again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, this is what's happening right now. The uh, RCMP, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, they're preparing uh, for the return of at least um, a dozen Canadians. Well, they call them Canadians. They have Canadian citizenship, but, of course, they're not Canadians. Uh, They're being detained in, in Syria right now because... Well, they're being um, uh, rounded up by the Kurdish forces in the Syrian uh, National Guard, and they're in these um, uh, camps. The Islamic State is failing miserably in the region, and so they're rounding up all of these Islamic State uh, fighters, and 12 of them have Canadian citizenship, and they want to return to Canada. They, they're very remorseful, too, Tim. They're, they're very sorry 
that they were um, engaging in Islamic activities, beheadings and kidnappings and rapes and uh, torture. They didn't mean it. They're, they're quite remorseful. And Justin Trudeau was quite confident that any returning Islamic State fighter will be an asset to the country. Uh, so anyway, now we've got these two, uh, 12 characters uh, being detained in Syria, and they w- want to come back. Uh, Justin Trudeau has made it clear that a Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian, and if these are uh, what he calls them uh, uh, travelers. Yeah, he calls them travelers, Justin Trudeau. So if these travelers <laughs> want to return to Canada, they should be allowed to do so. So the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, they're uh, uh, getting together, they're gearing up and waiting for these uh, marauders to arrive in Canada. Now, some of them, I believe, at this point are being uh, processed in Turkey uh, to be issued passports to travel back to Canada. Mm, But we're we're not quite sure when they're going to arrive. We're not quite sure, you know, what airport or what port of entry they're coming into. We don't know any dates or anything like that, but we're getting ready. <laughs> uh, we promise the Canadians well, we're getting ready. <sighs> let, let, let me ask. Let me ask you a quick question: Is there any chance at all that that is just governmental doublespeak uh, in an effort to try and avoid a, a media circus or angry mobs upon the return where they do know and they're just putting misinformation out? Because I tend to think they'd probably do that down here. I think it's a red herring and that they're trying to distract us from the SNC-Lavalon business as well. Mm. Yeah. But it, it's, uh, this is, uh, we're, we're, we're dealing with an inept situation in that there are a lot of Canadians that are saying, well, don't bring them back at all. Why can't we do what the United States and what the UK, United Kingdom does and strip them of their citizenship? And Justin Trudeau won't do that. If they have dual citizenship, they should be able to keep their citizenship, despite the fact that they have been convicted of terrorist activities. So uh, there are problems. And and just to go to sidebar for a moment, I'm sure um, everybody is familiar with uh, Jihadi John. He is the uh, terrorist out of the United Kingdom that uh, joined Islamic State. And he was uh, responsible for orchestrating uh, beheadings. Well, he was captured, and he is in a Syrian prison right now. And the United Kingdom, he has dual citizenship, uh, U.K. and Canadian citizenship. Uh, the United Kingdom revoked his citizenship, and now it looks like he, he's coming to Canada. <laughs> wow. I mean, that, that is absolutely uh, amazing <laughs> in a bad way. But there is one thing I do agree with uh, in so much as uh, a Canadian being a Canadian because I'd say that an American is an American too. But let's take a look at somebody like a Timothy McVeigh who didn't have dual citizenship. He was a natural-born American citizen. He committed an act of terrorism on American soil, and he was dealt with accordingly. He went to prison, and he eventually received the death penalty, and it was right for what happened. If you're going to bring them back into the country, if you're not going to strip their citizenship or if you're not going to uh, uh, name them as an enemy combatant and put them in a uh, a military uh, court system, 
then at the very least, they should be facing criminal charges when they come back. But I'm getting the sinking suspicion that it's kind of a, an all is forgiven, let's see if we can get you on welfare kind of deal. Is is that right? Well, it is, and that is a problem that we're already uh, facing in that we have somewhere uh, something 60-odd um, Islamic State fighters that have already returned to Canada, and uh, we, we we don't know where they are. We they're not incarcerated. We, we we nobody knows where they are. Even the authorities are saying, "Well, yeah, we're so backlogged with uh, all of these uh, everything from immigration to refugee, everything. They're so backlogged <laughs> that some of these people, it's almost like a catch and release, and they are processed and told to report, but they disappear and. The, the um, guesstimate is including are those uh, 60 Islamic State fighters already in Canada. We don't know where they are. We don't know where they're living, and we don't know um, if they're on uh, a, a benefit program. We don't know if they are in, enrolled in um, any programs or anything like that. We just don't know. So Canada is becoming quite vulnerable. Uh, to uh, uh, the uh, policies that are being laid forth in terms of how to deal with these terrorists if indeed uh, they're coming back. And, well, in most cases they are because they still have their Canadian citizenship. And under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, one of the worst um, uh, 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 pieces of paper, <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's a piece of paper, it means absolutely nothing. It was the absolute worst legislation that... Uh, a Pierre Elliott Trudeau could inflict upon the Canadian people. So it doesn't matter if they're dual citizens or whatever. It doesn't matter where they are. If uh, they have Canadian citizenship, they are protected under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and they have a right to return. And thus now we're facing um, as to what to do with these uh, 12 um, um, returnees uh, from Syria. Wow. Uh, on, on a strict sidebar, uh, real quick, yeah. when you were uh, when you were trying to, to spit out a piece of paper, you were tempted to say something else, weren't you? <laughs> something that maybe starts with the letter S, <laughs> because you do that's what it sounds to my like show. to me. <laughs> I, I do, uh, and yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. But anyway, go ahead. Absolutely. Well, what the uh, government thinks that these Islamic State fighters would be useful for is, well, educating others about mm, the horrors of joining um, a terrorist organization. And uh, all of these organizations out there, one in particular is called uh, Families Against Violent Extremism, um, has said it was working to bring 29 quote-unquote Canadians, most of them children, uh, back to Canada from Syrian prisons and camps. Well, that's another thing. What constitutes um, a child, um, a, a little toddler, um, an infant, a 5-year-old, or a 17-year-old? Because we're always uh, reading the headlines where a 17-year-old youth was arrested for being in possession of a pipe bomb, which happened here last week. And they refer to him as a boy. So, what constitutes well, being a child? Yeah, to that point, let's not forget during the height of the Syrian refugees' migration, 
into Western Europe. We were constantly being uh, told youth, and then when uh, their backgrounds were actually discovered, several of these folks were late twenties, early thirties. At mm-hmm. uh, we can't we can't take any of this at face value which sadly is the point that Donald J. Trump has been trying to make since he first took office when he tried to institute his travel restriction executive order that eventually was found constitutional. But uh, yeah, it should have never been up to debate, and that's exactly the kind of thing you're fighting now. It seems like leftist all— Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Over the world are trying to push similar agendas because a lot of what you're saying sounds eerily similar to what we've got going on with folks crossing from our southern border, which we also know includes people from countries other than Mexico, including the Middle East and even the Far East in some occasions. And now uh, Canada seems to be becoming a haven for the same type of potential violent uh, potential terrorists, or at the very least, the type of person that creates new jihadis, the next generation of jihadis. Uh, and it's it's a scary thought because uh, we're either going to have to get our ducks in a row here in North America if we want to protect ourselves from this, or we're all going to fall one by one. Well, I certainly um, think that the Founding Fathers in the United States and in Canada never anticipated the erosion of our language borders and culture, that's for sure. And it's being uh, um, proven all too well that that's indeed what we're doing. We're uh, willingly uh, hanging ourselves by our own petard, by uh, rejecting um, our nationalism. And there's a new, um, uh, it's not a meme, um, I'm trying to find the uh, proper um, way to explain this, but it's horrific. If you have a pride in country, you're a white nationalist, and we're seeing a lot of that here in Canada, in particular because of the Yellow Vest movement that we adopted out of France, and that we're protesting everything from uh, the uh, carbon tax to the, the lack of pipelines being built uh, to uh, mass illegal uh, migration. And when we try to speak about these issues, we're shut down with that label. Uh, we're uh, white nationalists. Now, I don't need to tell people that uh, all, all sorts of all, all walks of life belong to all sorts of um, organizations, and it doesn't um, the, the background of these people doesn't matter. It's just that we are um, a cohesive in that we are nationalists. It doesn't matter the color of our skin. 
we just want to preserve the integrity of the country in in, in trying to do so. We are um, are left with these uh, labels, like the euphemisms are are absolutely terrible that are being thrown at us. And now we're being um, told that if we do not open our hearts and minds to the idea of returning Islamic State fighters coming back to Canada, we're getting all of those labels, the uh, xenophobic label, the uh, um, Islamophobic uh, label, and all of that. Now, um, what are they going to do with these returning uh, fighters? Well, they have some real bright ideas here, Kim, um, in mm-hmm. Toronto in particular, as, and as well as several other uh, cities. And by the way, Toronto is a sanctuary city, so a lot of them must flock uh, to Toronto. Well, in Toronto and other uh, big cities, police can bring extremism cases to community hubs or situations, situation tables that try to help steer people away from violence. I don't even know what that means, community hubs. And I'm still scratching my head over situation tables. I, I don't even know what that one is supposed to mean. But I suppose it's some sort of outreach um, um, initiative to uh, embrace these returning Islamic State fighters and I try to turn them into model Canadian citizenships. There's um, other programs here. Um, there's a, a combination of mentoring, um, employment programs, religious counseling, trauma counseling, and social housing, and speaking to a reformed jihadist. Now, I don't know how many reformed jihadists are going to be able to find because once they have the Islamic ideology, it's pretty hard to shake it out of one's head. So I don't know where they're going to find all of these reformed jihadists. I yeah. just shake my head. Uh, considering that the overwhelming majority of jihadists uh, seek their martyrdom, and many of them are able to accomplish it unless they are captured before they can, uh, and then many of those who are captured are resentful that they've been denied their martyrdom, uh, it seems like a, a very difficult mindset to, to wrap your mind around. Uh, the government, of course uh, – here, there, in Western Europe, they still don't really comprehend people of faith anyway. Uh, I mean, whether you're talking about the Democratic Party here or the uh, current uh, ruling party in Canada, both primary parties in the UK, there is a fundamental lack of understanding because their faith is in the state. When you're dealing with leftists, it is the state that is their religion, that is their faith, and everything else that they believe in is an offshoot therefrom. So they don't understand to even take uh, these extremists at their words when they tell you that this is what we want to do, this is why we want to do it, and we will not stop until we have or you've killed us, one or the other. They don't get that. So it's a lot of… Nice-sounding, pretty words that people on the left like to use in controlling the argument, but at the end of the day, you're absolutely right, Kel. Where are they going to find an actual reformed jihadist? I'm sure there may be a few out there who have seen firsthand what happened and then like, oh, crap, I, I, I didn't realize how real this was, but I don't know how many of those folks there really are. Mm, exactly. The thing is, too, is that Canadians don't want them back. And um, once once again, the voice of uh, Canada, the Canadian people, is being ignored by the uh, uh, Prime Minister's office. But 
uh, we we have been uh, tolerating that uh, for uh, three years, but we are now in 2019, and we're going to the polls, and we're going to show that we're not tolerating it any longer. And you, you go to the message boards and the comment boards, and uh, in particular with this story about the uh, uh, 12 returning uh, jihadi fighters, although we're not too sure when they're coming back or how they're coming back or where they're coming back. <laughs> Canadians are fed up with this. And, of course, this uh, SNC-Lavalon uh, uh, has got Canadians in an uproar. Now, I, I can understand the employees of SNC being upset, um, and in particular in the province of Quebec where it is ha- where it has its home base. Because there are a lot of employees that if um, SNC is shut down or it moves out or if it goes overseas, well, they're going to take the jobs and the pensions with them. So I, I, I feel terrible uh, for uh, people that may lose their pensions and their jobs. But we also have to pay attention to other issues that are going on, and this is one of them. And we, we don't want them here, we, and we don't want any of them back. We don't care if they're men, women, or children. Um, keep them there. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Syria, they're, they're getting full up with these uh, detention centers and these camps. And they're begging uh, the countries from whence these people came, can you please take them back? Because we don't know how we're going to uh, deal with them, like uh, feeding them and clothing them. And Well, those Syrian winters, they sure are cold. But people, mm-hmm. we're, be, we're being heartless with this one. We're absolutely heartless. And uh, that, that old adage, charity begins at home. No, uh, we're, we're not going to aid and abet um, a terrorist. What we want the government to do is to help us Canadians, at least listen to us and help our veterans. It's disgusting. When I go to YouTube, and I uh, check out the uh, uh, the local news, meaning news across Canada. I come across videos of a citizen journalist out there who are uh, recording stories. And there was uh, one gentleman, and he was at a Yellow Vest uh, rally in Toronto. And he was walking around, and he was filming homeless people on the street. And these were all older white men. And uh, some of them I uh, would absolutely imagine uh, are are veterans. And they're sleeping on street grids to keep warm in January, February. It's insane. So here we have all of these veterans who are homeless, cannot even get into the shelters because the migrants are taking up shelter space. It's a first-come, first-served system in Toronto, as I understand it, and that, well, if uh, you show up and the the, the, the last bat has already been taken, sorry, like you're SOL, and you, off to the street you go. So the migrants are, are um, swallowing up the beds in, in the uh, shelters, but even worse is that they're also being housed in hotels, and uh, <clears throat> hotels are allotting maybe three floors uh, uh, to these migrants, and Nothing for the veterans, nothing for um, uh, Canadians, uh, nothing for the uh, North American Indians, nothing there at all. North American Indians on some reserves still don't even, they still don't have potable water. But Trudeau Canada 
is willing to bring in all of these migrants, and we cannot even vet them. Like I mentioned earlier about those 60-some-odd ISIS fighters, we, we don't know where they are because we can't vet them. The backlog is way too much, and it's getting so bad that uh, Trudeau has said that he might even waive uh, the vetting process and just give them um, a citizenship card. Like, like not grant them wow. Canadian citizenship card, but a landed um, immig- landed immigrant uh, status just to uh, ease up on the backlog. Now, how is that going to serve the people of Canada in that if these people are being granted uh, these uh, landed immigrant cards? or How, how does that um, ensure that Canadians are protected? Ever since uh, Trudeau opened the floodgates, we're, we're seeing more and more stories about thwarted uh, terror plots more than ever. We're um, hearing more stories about women being assaulted, uh, more stories about youth being yeah, in possession of pipe bombs. It, it can only get worse because uh, Justin Trudeau, by 2021, he has vowed to bring in close to um, a million of these migrants, and he, he signed the UN Global Migration Compact, which is supposedly non-binding. Well, technically it is, but I say supposedly because we're dealing with uh, Justin Trudeau, and he will see this as a way, as um, as a legitimate excuse to bring in all of these migrants from God knows where, probably most of them from North Africa, the Middle East. Uh, we're, we're not going to be seeing migrants coming in from like we will not see any Yazidi refugees. We won't see anybody coming in from China. Uh, we certainly won't see people coming in from Europe. But we will be seeing the, the dregs arriving in Canada. If this unfettered migration continues, it's only going to get worse for Canada in terms of the drain on our resources, uh, the uptick in crime, and the uh, housing issue. Like It is right. horrific. Um- Okay, Cal, I I hate to cut you off. I want to make a quick point. We're almost at the bottom of the hour where I'll have to reset, so I hope you'll stay with us a little bit into the next hour. But in a case like this, what's bad for Canada is also bad for the United States because these people can make their way down here. Let me reset the hour here uh, so we can split the show, and we'll get started right back where we left off.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all of the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I'm your ever-so-humble host, Tim Tapp, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee. And for those of you who are listening at KYAH 540 AM, I want to thank you very much as I bring a little East Tennessee flavor to Utah's Talk Authority. Uh, as you guys probably know by now, if you listen most mornings, you know that this is actually broadcast live on Sundays, and that the first hour of the show is played on Mondays there, and the second hour of the show, which we're now officially starting, is played on Tuesday mornings. But we're continuing a conversation with Kel Fritzy, and uh, we'll be doing that. So if you missed part of yesterday's show, that's why it's going to feel like you just walked into the middle of a conversation. Uh, so I would highly recommend you go back and check out the archives here of the show to get the first part. Before we get started again, though, I want to give a quick shout out to the folks who joined us in the chat room. Uh, we have the beautiful Mary who has joined us uh, while we were in conversation. Uh, Vorpalbite also joined us. And here just a few brief moments ago, Chief, host of Southern Sense. Uh, Southern Sense. Uh, try it again. That's Annie, host of Simple Facts of Life. Uh, I got Annie on my mind uh, today, actually. Um, anyway, uh, I'm sure Chief would love to co-host uh, Southern Sense sometimes. But anyway, let me bring uh, Kel back on live here. Kel, again, before we jump back into this topic, I want to thank you for the generosity of your time. You've already been here for the biggest part of an hour. You're going to stay with us a little bit longer. Uh, and part of the reason I wanted to keep you a little bit longer is because uh, in some statements you made just a little while ago in talking about what's going on in these Syrian uh, camps where they're trying to unload these people and get them back to their home uh, countries, you made two very good valid points without us necessarily pointing them out. And I think they're worth talking about. So we'll start with the first one, and that being, weren't we told all along from the worldwide mainstream media that there was a phenomenon of uh, foreign fighters moving in, but it wasn't that big of a deal. There weren't that many of them, really. It's just an exaggeration being made by people like you and me when we got behind our microphones pushing conspiracy theories. Isn't that what we were told? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they're still trying to lie through their teeth. And we are seeing that there are a lot more uh, 
uh, jihadists out there than uh, they'll ever report. The um, underreporting is absolutely amazing uh, to me. In the, even the average uh, uh, person who maybe not necessarily uh, listen to um, independent journalists such as uh, you and myself, but um, even the average everyday person that picks up a newspaper, the, the mainstream media, they have to report about a massive bombing in France, or they have to report about <clears throat> um, um, a, 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 a slaughter that happened, say, at the Bataclan in France and at an Arana Grande a concert in uh, Manchester, UK. They have to report on that because that's news they, c they cannot bury, right? But they bury the um, other stories that are a little more under the radar. For example, they won't report on the harassment that women are facing, um, in particular in Sweden at this point. They'll under-report on that. And what they also, one of their tactics that they use as well, which I find so mind-maddening, is when a migrant commits a crime, um, his name nor his picture is published, and the story gets buried, so we never know exactly you know, who um, was behind the, uh, these crimes the perpetrator was. But when they describe the nature of the crime, we can uh, recognize the uh, methodology of, uh, of a migrant right away because uh, all of us have uh, been pretty much up, uh, kept up to speed about the ideology of Islam in particular when people go out there and do their research. But like I say, the average uh, person, they're not going to see that. They're just going to see some guy who was um, engaged in uh, some sort of activity, and that, that's yeah. it. So it's seriously underreported, but they're not going to be able to hide it any longer, Tim, because it's just getting uh, way too out of hand, like uh, what we're seeing in France and what we're seeing in, in Germany now. Um, my goodness, um, uh, Belgium is under siege right now. And let me see, uh, Sweden is under siege right now. I listened to a gentleman on uh, YouTube. His name is, a, well, his handle is a Sanity for Sweden. And he puts out um, a report maybe every second, uh, third day. And he speaks about the uh, migrant issue in Sweden. And he is in Malmo uh, right now. And it is so bad that he and his uh, fiance, they have sold their house in Malmo and they're moving to the country. That's a lot of things that are underreported as well, is that the major urban centers are being overtaken by these uh, migrants. Uh, some cities are totally um, run by these invaders, and not only by uh, you know criminal uh, activities, but by civilizational uh, activities like running for a local office. Like I can't not remember um, where it is. I, I believe it's in the United Kingdom. There is one community where the entire um, mayor's office is comprised of uh, um, a Muslim. So the, the mayor is Muslim, the council is Muslim, 100% Muslim. So these, this is happening and nobody's, the mainstream media refuses to talk about it. And they also refuse to acknowledge that people are leaving uh, the, the, these uh, big cities because they just can't uh, deal with it. They can't deal with the crime. 
pardon me, they can't deal with the harassment and they cannot deal with not being able to walk down their own streets. But my goodness sake, I try to visit East London at night. You're taking your life into your hands. Uh, try walking home with a bottle of wine through illusion and, and being stopped by the Sharia patrol. The, the, the Sharia patrols are popping up everywhere. You have a semblance of one in New York City with the Sharia patrol with uh, their own uh, little uh, pseudo-police uh, cars. and Well, the idea is just so that uh, these uh, Muslims can uh, keep an eye out for um, Muslims who might be harassed by non-Muslims. That's the logic, right? No, they're setting up another no-go zone is what I'm feeling. And um, Sharia zones, like, it's 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 unbelievable. And if... This uh, continues to be underreported. We're going to be uh, facing an explosion like nobody's business, and I, I believe it's coming sooner than later, Tim. Well, I, I think you're absolutely right because a big part of what we're also seeing is when we hear independent uh, journalists go to these places and then report on things like no-go zones, uh, we get a very different story than what we get from the official media outlets and then what we get from the official statements from the governments. But it, it's even more mind-boggling when you think about places like France and uh, Germany, just as two examples, because of not to want to perpetrate cliches or uh, to propagate any type of uh, – stereotyping, but wine, for example, is such a huge portion of the national identity of France, and beer is such a huge portion of the national identity of Germany. These are two things that they're very proud of as far as their ability to make at a standard that's been recognized the world over as being some of the best in the world. And to think that you cannot enjoy these things in certain neighborhoods within these nations anymore. Uh, and and it's very real. People are chased out. If you run into certain neighborhoods with a, uh, with a, a microphone, with a camera, or if you're even trying to use your phone to record something that's already going on in the corner, you get chased out of neighborhoods, and the local law enforcement are of no help to you other than to maybe give you the advice that if nothing bad's happened yet, maybe you should go ahead and leave. <laughs> and if that's the best they can do, then – that says something about how far gone it's gotten. But we have that same kind of thing happening here in the United States in places like Dearborn, Michigan, and now in certain parts of right here in my home state of Tennessee down in Murfreesboro. These things are happening because, number one, we've allowed them, and number two, because we've put people in a position of authority that do not understand the existential threat of the mindset that's being forced upon us. This isn't a, a question of intolerance. You're not intolerant towards a people when you talk about counter-jihad. I'm not being a bigoted person when I tell you that Islam itself has some very dangerous philosophical points. I'm simply making an observation that if we don't say it's Islam that we're talking about, if we just go point by point, what would you say about a philosophy that says the only way to go to heaven is to die a martyr? 
What would you say about a philosophy that says you either join them in the way they think or you must be killed? What would you say about a philosophy that says if you're part of their group and then decide that you want to change your mind, you no longer like that ideology, that you must be killed? If you were to paint that out like we were talking about the Mormons, if we said that was the Mormons, just as a, a crazy wild – obviously that's not the Mormons. I'm not picking on Mormons, especially with this being replayed in Utah. Don't get me wrong, guys. But if, if we were to, if we were trying to talk about the Mormons this way, and if that was part of their philosophy, there would be an outcry all throughout the Western world. But this protected class somehow – and again, you and I have both made the point multiple times that nobody suffers more under uh, Sharia law than other Muslims. But in freedom-loving nations where people have have fought and bled and family members have died for the idea of staying free, fought against the tyranny of the Nazis, fought against the tyranny of would-be Russian aggression… These people have seen real-world circumstances, and now all of a sudden we're being told to lay down for a group that has a philosophy that is ever bit as dangerous, if not more so. And these – we're just supposed to look the other way. And I am just – I'm starting to lose my cool, so I'm going to take a, a little breath here, Kel, and I'm going to let you take over for a second. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I went into a rather long-winded response to your question about that there are more of them out there than we're being told. You're absolutely correct, and uh, we we are indeed being lied to when it comes to the um, uh, the figures, the guesstimates, if you were, because, of course, um, it's virtually impossible to uh, keep track of, well, who's an ordinary, everyday Muslim as opposed to a closet a jihadist? We We don't know. So thus, it's a very difficult. But when uh, one uh, looks at the uptick in the crimes that are happening in Western Europe and in uh, some pockets of Canada, you have to wonder, hmm, uh, it seems to be that when these migrants arrived, all of a sudden there was a rise in crime. And there was a rise in uh, terrorist acts. There was a rise in... Um, a, a terror plot. So there's a few more out there than the media and our governments are letting on. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, again, it, it goes against their narrative. They want to pretend like there aren't people in Western civilizations that aren't being converted to the mindset that. And the worst part of it, because again, we're constantly being told that there is no such thing as radical Islam, that, that there's no such thing as Muslims who think that Muhammad is the perfect person and should be emulated, and that there's no reason that we should ever be concerned about the potential mindsets. And we all know better. There, there are people among them. We see these young people. Going, They went to the battlefield, and in some of the cases, some of these folks were actually jihadis. Some of them just wanted to be wives of ISIS, which is still a jihadi mindset. I will remind the whole world that's listening. They embraced the idea enough that they wanted to go and help them propagate and bring up a new generation of little uh, suicide bombers. Ooh, I'm having children now because I want them to strap on a vest so they too can go to heaven, and Allah will embrace them. And, uh, where is the disconnect? There should be some common sense somewhere 
There should be limits on this, and that brings me to that secondary point. These people, even these uh, young ladies, the jihadi, the ISIS brides who want to come back both to the U.S., to the U.K., and to Canada, I've heard a lot of people try to, to give them some cover in regards to calling the, uh, these actions as being a youthful mistake. Now, my contention is a youthful mistake is getting caught smoking around behind the bleachers. A youthful mistake is throwing a party when mom and dad have left for the weekend. A youthful mistake is taking the car without permission. Those are youthful mistakes, and you normally learn a very valid lesson very quickly from them. A youthful mistake is not literally leaving your home country and embracing an ideology that says that the place where you just came from is evil and the majority of the people there should die. <laughs> that goes beyond youthful mistake. Am I wrong? Oh, absolutely, and, and that's the uh, crutch right there in that when uh, there is a very um, strong evil ideology cemented in one's young mind in that they are brainwashed. Well, I, I don't even think they're brainwashed. I think they're just following the political doctrine of Islam, so there's really no brainwashing going on. They're taught that this is Islam, and that's another thing I have a problem uh, with in terms of uh, mainstream media and the government is that whenever there is an Islamic attack, it has nothing to do with Islam. Well, you know what? Uh, why don't you just say it has nothing to do with Muslims, but it has everything to do with uh, political Islam? And they are practicing Islam. That is what they're doing. And when they uh, run off to join Islamic State, they're doing exactly what they have been uh, groomed to do pretty much their entire lives. Like, uh, these are Shahids. These are Shahis that go off and are um, engaging in jihadist activities. And how do you deprogram this ideology from them? I think it's impossible. And so the idea of uh, Western countries embracing uh, these migrants in particular, it is, um, it, it's a fatal mistake. And uh, in, here in Canada, of course, in the province of Ontario, I've talked about this in the past, now we have the Islamic Party of Ontario, and they are a registered uh, party. And I've read their platform, and it's horrifying. It's based on Sharia law. And people are kind of uh, laughing it off and saying, oh, they won't have a chance. But I'm saying, you know, you better be very, very careful about uh, scoffing what's going on. If they can form a party and if they can get candidates in the writings, we could end up with at least um, an official opposition with this um, Islamic party because of all the migrants coming in and the tribalism as well. Uh, people stick with their own. And another thing, too, is that the ideology is strongly protected within the Islamic uh, communities. There are too many cases of Islamic State fighters are going off and engaging in all sorts of horrific activities, and then they return home, and the community knows where they were and what they were up to, but will not go to the authorities and report. That's another issue that we're dealing with. And so when you have all of these um, uh, factors in play, when you have the ideology, the protectionism of the community, and the... <clears throat> ability 
to uh, travel back and forth, in particular being able to return to Canada when your team is losing, uh, we're making for a perfect storm. This is yeah. this is a very very serious and um, <clears throat> I'm very concerned. You brought up the issue too of the uh, northern border, and I have brought this up, of course, many times. And when I speak with my American friends. Um, the southern border, oh my gosh, I mean, that's a quagmire in itself, and I really hope that the United States gets that sorted ASAP, but I'm very concerned about um, the the northern border and that seeing as Canada has no idea uh, what uh, sh- uh, she's bringing in in terms of um, uh, these uh, jihadists, who's to say they're going to be satisfied with uh, living in Canada? Uh, Canada is almost like a safe haven for uh, jihadists. And they're, they're not going to create too many problems in Canada because we, I say we, I, I really don't feel like I live in Canada anymore. So I shall say, when Trudeau Canada is offering you sanctuary, let's just put it this way, this way. You don't poop where you eat. And they're not at this point. There's been a few lame attempts at some, you know, a terrorist um, a te- um, terrorist activities, but they've been thwarted, amazingly enough. And I'm very concerned that they're going to continue uh, their travels. And the northern border is very, very porous. It's very easy to travel back and forth between the United States and Canada in certain pockets. Like, holy smokes. Um, they they could uh, t- uh, take a bus to Alberta and just walk through into Montana, or they could take a bus to British Columbia, or they could take a bus to S- Saskatchewan, and do the same thing. I uh, travel through the forest and boom, you're 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 in a, a, a an American farmer's wheat field. Well, you know what, Kel, you convinced me. I- I'm tired of being a reasonable, rational person. I am now officially uh, telling Donald Trump to. Uh, to annex Canada and Mexico both will solve the problem by making you part of America. How's that? (laughs) (laughs) All all kidding aside, obviously. Go ahead. Oh, I was just agreeing with you. Something's got to give, but I'm reading the chat room, and Mary, she's saying, I thought Muslims did poop where they eat. (laughs) Hmm. Uh, yeah, and then use and then use their hand to wipe. So you know what yeah. are you gonna do? The left hand uh, at that. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, uh, personal hygiene <laughs> issues aside, uh, <laughs> it, it, it is really a serious question. And of course, we're making light of it because we're joking right now because we're trying desperately not to completely lose our stuff. Because uh, it's either laugh about it or cry about it or get extremely angry. And getting extremely angry, while it can be useful if it motivates you to do, go do something, anger alone isn't going to help. Crying about it isn't going to help. We have to stay positive. We have to encourage each other. But to kind of touch back on something that you said a few moments ago about the folks that are ignoring uh, the effectiveness of an Islamic party in Canada, uh, all you have to do is take a look at the successfulness of, say, uh, a Rashida Tlaib or uh, an Omar here in the United States who uh, represented in, in either Michigan or in Minnesota, uh, respectively, 
they are hugely anti-Semitic. They are, for all intents and purposes, short of wearing the hijab all the time, which uh, Rashad Tlaib does not. But Omar actually does quite a bit, even in, in official business. Uh, short of that, these are traditional Sharia-compliant folks, and that's the district they represent. So the district has no interest in recalling them for their obvious anti-Semitism because it's a sentiment they share. That's part of the danger here too. When they don't become part of the new culture, and when they refuse to acknowledge that there may be bits and pieces of the culture from where they came from that should be left behind, and they want to embrace this ideology that somehow anti-Semitism is okay and that Sharia compliancy is inevitable, that's a very dangerous thing. And these people are now being elected into our Congress, and it would it serves the same threat in Canada as it does anywhere else in the world. Pay attention, do not scoff at them, and make sure that you're vetting who takes office, because the communities, their vetting process, what they're looking for in a candidate is very different than say someone that's going to stand up and represent what's best about the United States of America. And I'm sure the same will hold true in Canada with that party that's trying to uh, become a force because it's only a matter of time, especially under the current Trudeau policies, that there will be enough of them that they will be a force. And that's the real threat. The existential threat is who's really going to be doing the voting. Are you going to have the everyday Muslims that are trying to get away from the third world conditions and want to be part of uh, Canada or want to be part of the United States or want to be part of the UK because it's a better place to be? Or are they going to be folks who are simply engaging in civilizational jihad? That's the question. We need better vetting. That's all we've ever asked for. A am I off base with that? Mm -hmm. Any of that? None, none, none whatsoever. You mirrored everything that I have been uh, saying for such a long time. I believe that if you have a candidate with uh, such an ideology, and in particular what bothers me is when a candidate is elected into office, uh, into uh, Congress or the Senate or the President of the United States, um, um, if you're uh, taking your oath of office on a Koran, then that proves to me that you are not 100% committed uh, to the country. Um, I, I'm, I'm still really mad about uh, Keith Ellison uh, taking his uh, oath of office or his um, swearing in uh, to his office. I think it's only the president that takes the oath of office, isn't it? Aren't the uh, House and Senate and all that, they're sworn in, merely sworn in? Well, they're sworn in, but there is an oath. Um, it's just not often referred to as the oath of office. They they take a similar, but it's not identical. But yeah, that's what they refer to as the swearing-in process. They basically agree right. that they're going to uphold and protect the Constitution, which sadly enough, a majority of our folks down here uh, probably uh, only know the Constitution as a punchline for a joke. I, I don't think they've seen it. Oh, that Constitution is um, the harbinger of keeping the United States together, in my opinion. And believe me, that is not um, just a piece of a sheepskin, uh, people. When uh, you are an American citizen, the Constitution should um, 
mean everything to you, and I'm speaking as a Canadian because I'm so admiring uh, your um, your political system, uh, your electoral system. Uh, thank goodness you guys have the uh, the uh, college um, vote as well. We have nothing like that here in Canada. And you mentioned earlier, Tim, that uh, you you folks have uh, so many uh, protections, whereas we don't enjoy those protections at all. And one that is a big one with me is your uh, um, First Amendment, and that is your uh, freedom of speech. And in, in Canada, we don't have freedom of speech in that if we speak out, um, if we speak ill of any ethnic group or um, any ethnic practices that are contrary to the culture of our country, uh, we are the ones that can be charged with a hate crime, and it has been happening here in Canada, especially ever since Motion 103 was introduced. So we are afforded very little freedoms as a Canadian citizen uh, to uh, speak our minds. We are overlooked when it comes to Justin Trudeau vastly changing um, the um, um, or introducing all of these bills, like he introduced, like what he did with Bill C-74, and um, think, uh, sneaking in a criminal, the criminal code into a, a budget bill. I think most Canadians aren't even aware of that, but what that means, the ramifications behind that, it, it, it's, it's quite severe. Like, indictable offenses can now be treated summarily. Like, that, that is uh, beyond the pale. Uh, for, let me give you an example, a, a glaring example. Um, under the old um, a criminal code, if you kidnapped um, a girl uh, 15 and under, well, if you kidnapped anybody, uh, it's an indictable offense. But if you uh, coerced a girl uh, who was uh, 15 and, and took off with her, uh, whether she was willing or unwilling, that could be treated as a summary offense now. And that could be uh, a fine or probation or maybe a two years less a day. It's very serious here and I'm I'm getting quite concerned for the country. I don't know if I have a whole lot of confidence in the leader of the Federal Conservative Party, Andrew Scheer, because he seems to endorse all of these bills. He endorsed a bill uh, C-76, a bill C-75. These are bills that have um, a vast uh, consequences for our, our voting uh, policies, in particular Bill C-70. I believe that's Bill C-75. I could be wrong. But as it stands now, you don't even have to be a Canadian citizen to vote, and that includes voting in federal elections. If you have any ID, you can just show up at the polling uh, booth and, and vote. If you have a library, all, all you need for proof of residency is a library card, anything with your address on it, a utility bill. How hard is it to obtain a library card, right? How hard is it to obtain a, a driver's license? You, it, it's going to affect our voting uh, process, and this is why I'm very concerned about the October election and uh, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in Andrew Scheer being able to stand up to this because he actually endorsed uh, some of these bills. And I, I think that he's liberal light, in my personal opinion, but I'm getting heavy into the uh, Canadian uh, political system. All I'm trying to say is that uh, Canada is not doing well, and 
now with uh, these uh, scandals and everything else, this prime minister is, uh, is well... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. He is becoming more and more hated. Uh, like the, there's that joke, um, um, his father, uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau. It took Pierre Elliott, what Pierre Elliott Trudeau accomplished in 10 years only took Justin Trudeau three, and that is to be the most hated man in Canada, and that <laughs> and that is true. Uh, Justin Trudeau, he has no morals, he has no conscience, and he had absolutely no right uh, running to be the Prime Minister of Canada. Absolutely no right. He has no education. He was halfway through an engineering uh, degree, and he quit because. I don't know, maybe his grades weren't uh, standing up. At the time he joined the Liberal Party, he was a drama teacher. He has no uh, political experience. Um, he has no um, idea of a social policy, political policy, absolutely nothing along those lines. Yet he wrote on his name, and he should not have done it. Like, he could have run because he's a Canadian citizen. And I'm quoting here from Jordan Peterson, who actually discussed this with a a talk show host, in that Jordan Peterson said, uh, sure, he had a right to run because he's a Canadian citizen, but he shouldn't have. He should not have, because he was riding on the coattails of his father, and he was running on the fact that he has name recognition and that he is a charismatic and uh, good-looking man. And, of course, he lured the younger uh, crowd in, in particular, with this uh, marijuana law. He has broken pretty much every election promise that he made to us, and in particular, and this is one of the reasons why a lot of other people voted for him, is that he promised us electoral uh, reform in that it would be proportional representation in which uh, rural Canadian votes would be accounted for, would would, would, would mean something. That was supposed to be our proportional representation as opposed to what we have now that's first past the post. He uh, he totally reneged on that. When he was elected and he discovered that he had a majority government, he said, oh, that worked pretty good for me. Eh, we're, we're not going to bother with proportional representation. Eh, forget it. And he's been carrying on ever since. This country is a mess. Our deficit is unreal. Like our great-great-great-great-grandchildren is going to be paying for our uh, national debt. We're borrowing money, a hand over fist from the world banks, and the social policy being laid out. Um, the uh, and I mentioned earlier the um, divisions that he is creating with Canadians. Um, uh, e- e- even uh, three years ago, I wouldn't think twice about um, immigration because immigration didn't seem to be a big uh, a deal with me. But now he has um, introduced, um, of course, mass migration. And this is very hard on the hardworking immigrants that are arriving in Canada. 
well, we're not getting them anymore. They're being pushed to the back of the bus, right? But uh, a lot of people misconstrue um, immigrants with the migrants, and so it's it's a tough go for the immigrants as well. That's a division that he's created. Uh, Canadians are um, are looking at immigrants now, and with a jaundiced eye, how did you get here? And it's very unfair to us. Our Canada um, was a very a warm, welcoming, cohesive country, and Justin Trudeau is trying to uh, uh, tear that to shreds, and it just breaks my heart, Tim. Yeah. Well, as well it should. Anybody who has an actual ounce of compassion for their fellow person, not just virtue signaling, but actually does have it, you should be upset when you see illegals get advantages that people who took the time to come into your country the legal way, uh, when you see them get an advantage the others don't, whenever you see uh, uh, policies that are put in place that encourages uh, human trafficking, whenever you see fake hate crimes, which we have a rash of them here in the United States. A few of them are a little more uh, notorious than others, but all of these things… They actually take away from the people who are legitimately suffering because of this, and if you have real compassion, not just virtue signaling, then this should be something that angers you, and you should speak up, and you should not allow it to proceed. But there's no question. Leftists all around the world have the exact same playbook, and certain countries, they seem to have the advantage. And Justin Trudeau, you said he, he's came onto the stage with zero political experience, and I would make the case that after this time being prime minister, he still has zero applicable political experience because all he's ever really done, a lot like Barack Obama did when he was occupying our White House, is he's run around campaigning, he's ran around vacationing, and he's ran around embarrassing the country when he visits other countries. And they they have that much in common uh, as well as <laughs> ideologies. Kel, uh, we've actually ran longer than uh, than uh, you had available. Uh, so again, I want to thank you very much for finishing up your thought and staying with us. You've been very generous with your time today, as you always are. Uh, so one more time before we go, especially since this is a new day at KYAH 540 AM, please tell everybody one more time where they can find your work. I am RFB Radio, Mondays and Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, and IAW 6 p.m. Eastern Times, all can be heard on the Block Talk Radio uh, Network. And, of course, you can uh, pretty much find me wherever I'm needed. I'm like that, you know, you shine that beacon in the clouds, and boom, I'll be there. But before I do go, I want to share with you, I was a guest on a YouTube channel yesterday. Now, that was a brand-new experience. I've never been a guest on a YouTube channel. Um, it didn't go too well technically because it's a, a Google Hangout, and Google, I decided that it was going to give uh, the radio host a whole lot of grief, and it, it took her uh, 40, you know, about 40 minutes to try to get it sorted, and she finally got fed up with it, and she rebooted everything. But she finally got me there, and um, I had a great chat with Elle of Elle's Place yesterday afternoon, I'll put the link in the uh, a chat box before I leave for you guys if they're interested in listening to Kel on YouTube. <laughs> that was okay. a great experience. 
experience. <laughs> oh, Tim, well, thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm glad you had a great time, and I am looking forward to watching. Uh, uh, so definitely get that link up there in the chat room, and uh, I will also include it in the show description when I go back and redo the show description <laughs> because I'm going to need <laughs> to do that, obviously. Uh, BTR, what are you going to do? But uh, anyway, thanks again for being with us. And um, I know you got to go here in a little bit to go open up with Eric. So please tell uh, Eric and all the fine folks over at Radio Free Kafiristan, part of the Global Patriot Network, uh, that I said, hey, <laughs> and uh, we'll talk will. again soon. Absolutely, Tim. Once again, thank you so much. And thank you to all of your listeners. Talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Kel Fritzy. And, uh, you know, again, Red Fox Blogger Radio, what are you going to do? Infidels are watching, part of the Global Patriot Network. What are you going to do? She is on the front line of fighting the counter-jihad movement. And for those of you who want to say, oh, that's Islamophobic, no, 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 we're not anti-Muslim, we're counter-jihad. It's a very select group of people who simply want to come kill us all. That's not all Muslims. We know that. We get that. We don't say that, oh, all Muslims are bad. We don't. All right, uh, for this hour, I need real quick to sneak in the Edwards Notebook and the Veterans uh, – the Songs and Stories Veterans Tip of the Month. And as I do that, once we get back, we'll if go into one more in a boat, And one of them pulls out a gun and tries to shoot a hole in the bottom, the others would try to stop her to avoid a catastrophe. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards on today's page from the Edwards Notebook. If you look at the United States of America, like the lady trying to shoot a hole in the bottom of the boat and bring harm to the passengers, most Democrats... Educators, crooked ministers, rhino Republicans, and nasty illegal border crossers are together working to literally sink the United States into a sea of oblivion. Democrats are already circling their dirty wagons and hope to shoot down President Trump's efforts to wrestle our republic away from the grip of slimy swamp dwellers who hope to sink our exceptional constitutional republic in a sea of victimhood obsession. No border protection, race or identity politics, socialism, unrestricted abortions, and all other evils. Our great America is under attack from numerous enemies from within who, like Khrushchev said many years ago, are trying to bury her. Thus, the time is now for we the people to join forces and prevent our constitutional republic from being completely turned into a socialist regime. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me Fridays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on AmericaMatters.us, SHR Media, and Spreaker. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Dan Perkins here with your songs and stories for Soldiers.us, Veterans Tip of the Day. How do you know if you're getting the best medication when you're sick? Did you know that the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, reported recently that between 20% and 50% of all antibiotics prescribed in acute care hospitals are either unnecessary or inappropriate. The misuse of antibiotics has also contributed to the growing problem of antibiotic resistance, which has become one of the most serious and growing threats to public health in the United States. Here is your Songs and Stories for Soldiers tip of the day. Medicare and Medicaid have started a new policy called the Antibiotic Stewardship Program. The result is that hospitals, nursing homes, and other healthcare facilities must test you to make sure you're getting the right medication. 
The cost of the test is covered by Medicare. So go to songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us for more information about this important service. This has been your Veterans Tip of the Day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Thank you very much for staying with me through that brief break. And, of course, we are quickly running out of time, and that's okay. Uh, we've been on for a bit, but what's uh, fantastic is I had another great opportunity to talk with Kel, and it's always a blast. Uh, quick uh, rundown of the chat room again. We've got Bigfoot still hanging out with us. Kel is still in here for just a few more moments before she has to, to go open up for Eric. Chief is still with us. Uh, Vorpabike took off at some point, and Mary had to leave a little early, uh, and I, of course, she – was gone before I had a chance to officially say bye to her, but hopefully uh, hopefully she knows we love her and we miss her when she's gone. And the same is true for all you guys. Uh, now, uh, would also like to remind everybody that I was on as a guest on the Ron Edwards Experience this past Friday. And uh, SHR Media, for some reason, has not been placing the Edwards Notebook up on uh, their Spreaker page the way they had been previously. And I'm thinking that probably has something to do with now the timing, uh, the new time uh, with Annie's show and his, because the way it used to work on Fridays is Annie was on from 2 to 4, and then uh, Ron came on from 4 to 5. But now Annie comes on from 3 to 6, so that 4 to 5 time spot uh, that Ron is on uh, is completely being taken over uh, by Annie's show. And, of course, the, the relationship with Annie is longer existing, so if you're going to keep your live broadcast, that's fine. But for at least one week, uh, they still played Annie live and then still put Ron's show up in the archives after that, And but they haven't been doing that since then. So if you're used to going and checking Ron out over in Spreaker, it's, it's not there the way it has been, and I need to say something to him about that. You can still go to americamatters.us and look into their podcast sections. And uh, download from there, and I'm going to reach out to Ron and see if he'll give me permission to actually upload that as a show on uh, my thing here so I can still repost it because I like to have my guest appearances available and readily accessible too. However, okay, all that's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> there is another story. There, actually, there was two I was hoping to get to, uh, but one of them is a little more important than the other, and the other one can keep if I have time to get back to it anyway. So I mentioned earlier Representative Rashida Tlaib. It turns out that much like AOC, there may be a little swampiness involved with these new fresh faces of the Democratic Party. seems like she may very well have taken $17,500 as a payday from her own congressional campaign. Uh, now, with the Democrats – Making such a big deal from Michael Cohen's testimony about campaign finance reform, let's see how many of those guys will step up and call out on their own. Um, obviously, it is a violation of the FEC's guidelines, and it could, of course, land the Michigan congresswoman in hot water if anybody has the cojones to actually do something about it. Now, first of all, this is still just an allegation at this point, but let's also be fair. Allegations like this directed towards Democrats, especially Democrats who are members of any protected class in the Intersectionality Alliance, well, these allegations 
don't even get made, even by conservative news outlets, unless there's some pretty strong evidence. Now, granted, still, strong evidence does not mean guilt, so I bring up all this so that I make it clear. I'm not saying that this is a for sure thing. What I am saying is there's some pretty strong evidence that makes it look this way, and we'll see if there's even a serious investigation. Now, according to a report from the Washington Free Beacon, based on FEC filings from Tlaib's campaign, uh, it shows that Tlaib took more than $17,000 in two separate disbursements from her campaign, both marked salary, well after her campaign had concluded. The FEC only allows candidates to draw a salary from their campaigns during the campaign itself. Winning candidates must rely either on personal savings or other means to stay afloat for the two short months between the collusion, uh, <laughs> collusion I like it, the conclusion of their campaign and their first congressional paycheck. Con collusions on my mind, but conclusion is the word I was looking for. So Talib's colleague, you've been waiting for it all so long. I know you have. Talib's colleague Alexandria Ocasio Cortez illustrated the pay gap back in November, if you'll remember, when she was whining incessantly that she would have to either take out loans or max out credit cards in order to be able to afford to move to Washington D.C. In anticipation of her term in Congress. And man, did she ever whine about that. Now she shut up when she started getting her checks, so she must be doing pretty well. Anyway, thankfully, AOC recovered quickly, and she's now reportedly renting an apartment in one of the city's most exclusive buildings. You know, thanks to her $174,000 annual congressional salary. Man, I'm in the wrong business. Can can I change jobs? I want to go be a swamp dweller now. Seriously. I can say stupid crap like AOC. If somebody would pay me nearly $175,000 a year just to say stupid stuff, I'll sign up. I'll say whatever you want me to say. I'll even pretend like I – no, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I could. I, I say that I'm joking, obviously. I, uh, there, there's a reason why I'm not making that kind of money, and because there comes a point where I'm not going to just go along to get along. There comes a point where I'm going to have to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm not prepared to just do that, but I, I do have to say based on what my current salary is, uh, fortunately, cost of living in the state of Tennessee is not as bad as in some states. But based on my current salary, it would be tempting. It would be tempting. Anyway, Ocasio-Cortez was, of course, quoted telling the media just days after her she won her race, saying that, quote, I have three months without a salary before I'm a member of Congress, so how do I get an apartment? Those little things are very real. Oh, she was so, so sad. We all remember it. We, I, we shed it a tear. We talked about it right here. You know, I couldn't help but think it seems odd that these two disbursements that she paid herself seems to be something that actually happened after AOC made her big deal. I'm sure Tlaib was hoping that AOC would shut up about it so that no one would come looking at what she was doing. 
Anyway, salary payments may continue until the date when the candidate is no longer considered a candidate for office or until the date of the general election or general election runoff if one becomes necessary. This is all according to the FEC regulations. In Tlaib's case, she drew $2,000 on November 16th, shortly after winning her seat, and then 15500 in December, nearly a month after the election. Hmm. Obviously, also a violation. Tlaib also paid herself well while she campaigned, earning around $45,000 for a few months' work. But that part isn't illegal, though it could be uh, concerning to some of her campaign donors. Maybe some of them should be asking exactly what their money was going for. But once her campaign ended, well, she kept paying herself. That's definitely a no-no, and the FEC is not going to be happy if that's what this turns out to be. An investigation should proceed. Now, the Washington Free Beacon also reports that uh, there may, in fact, be concerns over Tlaib's campaign salary that motivated the $15,500 payment after the campaign had concluded. According to the FEC spokesperson who spoke uh, with the Washington Free Beacon, because candidates can take post-campaign payments for things done during the campaign, some candidates choose to artificially lower their in-campaign salary and then take a lump sum payment at the end of the cycle. That way, they keep their visible campaign salaries low but don't suffer for taking months off work. In Tlaib's case… She could justify the $15,500 disbursement by saying she intended to take it during the campaign but put the payment off to show faux fiscal responsibility. So in other words, she either has to admit that she was trying to lie to the campaign or she has to admit to defrauding the campaign. Now, Tlaib, of course, is no stranger to controversy. In her first few months in office… She's courted disaster several times, even at one point using an anti-Semitic trope, accusing her congressional colleagues of exhibiting dual loyalties to both the United States and to Israel, an attack that – well, an attack that didn't go over very well. We'll just put it like that. At the end of the day, she's an anti-Semite who embraces Sharia and who is currently holding office and has no respect for the traditions of our Congress or for our national – well, our national history, our national identity. Because, again, that national identity, even though the folks on the left want to pretend like it isn't, the national identity is that of a melting pot. And see, here's the fun part. Here's the fun aspect of a melting pot. It means that whatever culture you have, you come in and you bring some of the best parts of that culture with you. And then you blend it in with the best parts of other cultures, and we help make that into one of the yummiest tasting gumbos that the world has ever seen. It's the gumbo of liberty. It's the gumbo of freedom. It is this grand experiment that we call the United States. Now, much 
Much to no one's surprise, even Hillary Clinton this past weekend was running around telling people uh, if the Mueller report comes back with nothing, then we keep looking. This is the obsession the Democrats have. Adam Schiff has made it clear every Democrat and their grandmother has, who has a committee assignment has tried to find some way to turn that assignment, their committee, into something that can be used to investigate Donald Trump. They're obsessive. Trump derangement syndrome is running wild in D.C. right now, as it has been since even before he was elected. But what is hilariously ridiculous, what is sadly (laughs) – chief was questioning my analogy of gumbo of freedom. Yes, a gumbo of freedom where you take a lot of wild, seemingly unrelated ingredients and put them together and come up with something that's truly a work of art. Gumbo of freedom. Yes, I stand by that. (laughs) Chief is going to give me grief from now on. Uh, In fact, he's probably going to accuse me of being Cajun. Everything's gumbo. Anyway, the point being is that as as obsessed as they are about finding something to do with Donald Trump, these people are going to do everything in their power to completely ignore – yes, with okra – to completely ignore (laughs) the wrongdoings. Other people on their own side. We spent a good deal of time talking about several shady things going with AOC in the last broadcast. And in this broadcast, we also once again see insanity running wild, especially among some of the younger folks who ran on a platform of trying to help undo the ignoring of the people. While they're doing nothing but to enrich themselves since their arrival, AOC is doing it. Evidently, Ms. Tlaib's doing it, and you know, let's be let's be completely honest. They're not the only ones, and it's not just happening on the Democratic side. There's no question. There's no doubt. I don't make that inference. My inference here is how many people with the D at the end of their name are going to stand up and say this is worth investigating. Never mind what happens as a result of that investigation. How many people are going to stay up and say yes? This looks bad. Let's take a look at it. Let's refer it to an ethics committee. Is that going to happen? No. Don't hold your breath. If it does happen, I'll stand corrected, and I'll be ridiculously happy, and you should too. But I don't expect it, and you shouldn't hold your breath either. That's going to have to be it for today. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. I certainly appreciate it. I want to thank Kel again for being with us for the biggest part of two hours, and (laughs) – Liberty and okra, good soup. <laughs> thank you, Chief. I want to thank Bigfoot, uh, Chief from Simple Facts. Annie uh, has joined us here towards the end. So Annie, the, the radio chick, you Bellis, hosted Southern Sense Talk Radio. Warful Bite, who was here earlier. Kel was here earlier. Thanks to all you guys and every one of you who's listening, whether it's right here in archives or it's Spreaker or Stitcher or TuneIn.com or iTunes or iHeartRadio or Spotify or even if you're listening weekday mornings. At KYAH 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority, thank you for tuning in. Please tune in again. And remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and, more importantly, to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. I'm out, y'all.
Seems like a thousand years Since we had real fears But the old ones won't forget These broken levee walls Had a few close calls But they haven't fallen yet And you know the rain coming The rain coming All your days and all your nights It brings a storm on you When the sun beats down And it bakes the ground And you watch the rich land die Such a vicious drought Even hopes in doubt But there are no clouds in the sky But you know the rain's coming The rain's coming All your days and all your nights It brings the storm on you When you feel the first drop fall When it kisses your skin The storm will begin To bring with it promise of change When you Brings the storm on you Because the rain 